Good morning and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning, Todd. I'm doing great. It's great to be back with a new media show. I know we we skipped a week last week, yeah. um, but it's good to be back. Yeah, I was trampsing around Tokyo a week ago today, so uh, I had a great time too. So we were there five nights, four days, and I guess that was the right number. Yeah, five nights and four days, and uh, used my wife's flight benefits, flew for free. Even though it took uh, her a second day to get out, but uh, had a good time. That's great, great. I've I've never been to Tokyo, but it would be an interesting place to visit. I'm sure it's a it's a it's an amazing city. I, I would imagine. Yeah, it's been 30 years since I've been in Tokyo. I spent a lot of time in Okinawa. That's where my wife's from. But uh, Tokyo has changed a lot, and I I talked about it a lot on my on my regular show, and we don't need to get in too deep. But uh, it's. Uh, one thing that's amazing there is their mass transit um, now is even easy for non-Japanese speakers to get around. I, that used to be the biggest challenge because everything was in kanji. Now all the displays are digital and you just flip the English and it's, it's, it's easy. So That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. But anyway, welcome everyone to the new media show. And uh, we're, we're back and I will... Even though I am flying to the East Coast uh, tonight, I'm planning on doing a show next weekend. Uh, should be no issue. May have to do it on Sunday if that works with your schedule, Rob. But yeah, I'll talk to you about that later. But uh, yeah, um, going to be doing a bunch of meetings, so it's uh, you know the East Coast tour, as as I would say. Yeah, I. <clears throat> I fly uh, to Europe on Sunday the 11th. Oh. So if we're going to do a show, it'd probably be better on the 10th if that's possible. Yeah, Sunday the 11th. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about it then. So we'll, we'll figure out okay. what schedule works. But anyway, everyone, welcome. And uh, it's um interesting week. Uh, I, I kind of came back uh, Wednesday, and to be honest with you, I was just skimming email and responding to a few here and there uh, while I was uh, in Japan and got back and immediately uh, first day back, there was uh, basically some podcasters and, and not a lot. I didn't, we didn't hear too much, but a few that were in, uh, basically, you know, in panic mode because their hosting company was uh, shutting down with really no notice. I mean, like same day notice we're, we're pulling the plug. And so today I just wanted to talk just a little bit about sustainability. And, you know, you and I have predicted that with the high number of companies that are trying to compete and also, you know, participate in the business space of podcasting, uh, for some of these folks that are starting up the it's 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 maybe a little bit of a tough road to hoe to get uh, to get to a sustainable model. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, I mean, so many new companies, so many people trying to jump into the space. Um, there's bound to be you know a, a slow um, shakeout that's going to happen uh, of of some of them over time. You know, it it may not be like what we've seen in the past. There. We've seen this before. Todd and I have seen this before where you go through these cycles uh, where there's a lot of fast growth and 
there's a little bit of a pullback. And I, I think it's natural in most business kind of environments for that to happen, uh, especially when uh, one that gets gets a lot of attention like this one has over the last you know 18 months or so. Um, and and we've also seen this um, this pattern of companies and hosting platforms shutting down and not giving anybody notice yeah. uh, in the past too. So there's nothing new about this either. It's just sad to see it happening again. You, you, do you know something I don't know, Rob, because you're referencing, you said, uh, someone that's gotten a lot of news in the last 18 months. Is there another? No, 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 just, oh. no, no, just, uh, just generally, uh, uh, I get you. I'm not, I'm not referring to anybody specific, but we've seen these, these spikes in, in, um, in press and coverage, and it's inspired a lot of new people to jump into this medium. This has happened like two or three times yeah, yeah. in the past. And unless you've been around a long time and followed this stuff, you probably wouldn't know that that's happened before. That's true. Um, and it's, and I believe we're kind of in that bubble right now. There's a little bit of a bubble. I wouldn't say it's a big bubble. I would just say it's a moderate sized bubble. And yep. we may see some companies um, kind of uh, drop out. Yeah. Because they weren't able to get traction. And, you know, and I also question some business models too. When I look at pricing of products, I'm like, how do you support that and and stay in business at at a at a price level. You know, the price levels are gonna be attractive to some podcasters, but I I look at that and I'm like, there's no way you can do support. You're on the you're gonna be on the razor's edge from a profitability standpoint to you know, and it it uh, you know, I just know the numbers and I look at some of the price points, I'm just like, wow, how and the question I have is, how are you doing that? Is or is it just a one man show, working out of the bedroom, and they don't mind making a dollar an account? Um, you know, so uh, you know that the margins aren't that great uh, to begin with. So uh, time will tell. You know, I got an email, and I and I won't say the company's name, and um, it was about a launch of a new podcast advertising service, and. Essentially, the the service wanted to tap uh, Blueberry's statistics data, and they wanted to do it via API call. And my basic response was that you know we don't we're not allowed to share podcast or stats data without written permission, and that if they were going to get go in business and wanted our metrics data, that they would have to get permission, and we'd have to have some sort of uh, API call to have some double opt-in type permission thing, and then then we could share via an API, but we'd have to build that. That we've never really had the the need up to this point to work with any third parties that wanted to access our data, and that they would have to pay for that coding. And then basically, I said, this is you know we're gonna have to set up a license and a license fee, and uh, and then negotiate a uh, you know per show per month access fee and um the response i got was <laughs> a little surprising um if you're gonna go in business business you don't do business with businesses for free <laughs> yeah. you know well, and, i guess i mean <laughs> what was the bigger agenda with these folks are they looking to aggregate um well, all your metrics or are they just looking to aggregate certain shows yeah certain shows but they were you know they're going in the advertising they're going to be providing advertising for podcasters and they needed metrics 
And, um, you know, there's a simple way for them to do it. They're podcasters oh, that they work with, provide, you know, print yeah. their PDF and have send them it to them. Send it to them. Or, or give them access <laughs> to their back end stats. Right? R- right. Or give right. them a username and password login. Yeah, sure. You know, that that's how you solve that. <laughs> you know, and that's how it's been solved up to this point for right. most people. And if, you I know, mean, they're doing something special here, um, I don't I, see a I, reason. I think it was more about, you know, trying just to get in there and make it easy. You know, not have to go through the minutia of having an administrative headache every month of, you know, collecting stats. So, and, and you know, but basically the individual came back and said, I, I'm going to build my own. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's your prerogative. But, uh, um, and then good luck. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a big job. So I, you know, I, again, it goes back to, you know, where companies are, you know, if they're coming in the space, you know, when we came in, when we started our company, when we started Raw Voice, which is the parent company of Blueberry, um, the five owners, we, we wrote checks and we did our own seed money and, uh, we, you know, basically wrote checks and we didn't have an office and everyone worked from their house and, you know, we, that's what you need know, to work 80 hours a week or a hundred, you know, sometimes it was a hundred, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to start a business without, you know, doing some initial upfront investment. You mm-hmm. can get started pretty cheap these days, but anyway, just, it's just lessons people have to learn, I guess, if they're starting, a sh- you know, starting their own companies. Yeah. So Todd, what are you hearing about per, programmatic stuff i know i'm i'm looking at an article that, that appeared in at at exchanger um dot com <laughs> was this the one that was written by the cfo of uh acast <laughs> uh, uh well I, I don't know if it is uh but the title is how npr is pushing the podcast industry forward. oh yeah I, I saw that oh oh but is there one that was out there that's different than this one yeah, there's another one that was written by the you know self-serving um, you know, anytime I, I always look at who the author is on articles, especially if they're, you know, it looks like it's agenda pushing. And yeah, there was an article earlier in a week that I saw that was actually written by the C, uh, I think the CFO over at ACAST. And, oh. but, uh, no, I, the one that was on NPR, I, I think I skimmed it. What, what's the genesis of the, Oh, they're talking about um, AdsWiz and how um, programmatic is starting to come into play. They're talking about PodWave. Um, also, Brian Brian Moffat was quoted in here. Um, they're talking about Triton and AdsWiz, um, and and they mention a little bit about Art Nineteen in here too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they also talk about how programmatic has evolved in podcasting um, here and how it's it's not really, I guess, a big player in mm. this space yet. It's because uh, she call me shocked. <laughs> the supply doesn't, necess- uh, doesn't necessitate a huge push into programmatic marketplace. So, so I guess what they're implying here is that th- the – the inventory that's available isn't really um, pushing 
programmatic because typically what you see with programmatic is at least in the old model is if there's remnant, lots of remnant, um, mm-hmm. ad space, right. That's available. And it's almost like an auction house, right? It's almost yep. like, you know, low prices, yep. quantity, quantity purchases. And most of the ad ad sales right now is higher CPMs, uh, into individual or small groups of shows. Uh, that's kind of where the market's been for many years now. And that's, that's where it continues to be, but there's these pod waves and there's a few programmatic platforms that are trying to get traction right now. Um, it's hard to say. Here's the, here's the thing. And they're going to have to redefine remnant. Remnant is like two o'clock in the morning inventory on TV. You know, that's, it really doesn't apply to podcasting. No, because and here's why. Here's another reason why. And I'm and I'm sure they're starting to figure this out. Ninety percent of all podcasts globally will get ninety percent of their lifetime downloads within the first ninety six hours. So there is not quote unquote remnant. Con- now there are there's a lot of content that doesn't have advertising in it. Well, that's, that's what I think um, oftentimes what they're referring to is just advertising space that never got sold. That's 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 remnant, um, okay. un- unsold ad space. So, I mean, in the podcasting space, well, there's millions. Uh, un- <laughs> unsold advertising space, yeah. depending on if you're playing in the dynamic ad insertion stuff, is, is well, what's your technology capable of inserting into mm-hmm. a piece of content? And what's the, what's, what's the limit that you feel comfortable with? jamming into your podcast right um and, and how low two, and two, two spots three spots and, and how low are you willing to go <laughs> yeah well and what's your quantity and how you know i hate to say but how how inflated are your numbers you know i mean it's uh it's you know what kind of filtering is being applied to because you start playing in these low low cpm numbers and you better have pretty high numbers to make any money yeah you're gonna have to you know, when they're talking about programmatic, the traditional programmatic, it's been cheap. You know, six four. I heard someone got two recently with a, you know, with a different, uh, you know, podcast vendor. You know, if you if you're getting two dollar CPM on inventory that's not getting any advertising in it, um, you know the you know the average podcaster, it's not worth it. Well, it's not because I mean, it's not like your podcast is going to be better. Um, no, somehow, <laughs> and, and you're going to grow your audience by having advertising in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's probably a a, a negative. I mean, here, a here's dollar. yeah. Here's what I know, and this is you know, this is what we're planning to. And you know, we're we are now you know I've mapped out our injection system. We're going to build one. Uh, it's been, you know, I've spec'd it out and we're going to roll it out in like three different phases. But in order to do programmatic correctly and have it be able to monetize, um, it, it's it's not going to be true programmatic. It's going to be a hybrid. But at the same time, the there is going to have to be um, some autonomy in that the podcaster is going to have to agree to trust me to put inventory in their show that mm-hmm. um, that fits. So you know, I I just I'm not going to run a uh, um, you know economy advertisement in a, in some you know non-specific show. 
or, you know, basically we, we still want to make that match happen, but the way of the programmatic works in the speed, you know, we're, we're talking like, um, you know, a vendor comes in, uh, buys, you know, offers up some inventory and you, you, you have to turn and burn on that fast. So the shows that we're going to be working with, they're going to you know, be on strict uh, guideline, uh, deadlines, like 24 hour turns on, you know, the ad spot and the, you know, you, you don't have the option of saying no, you know, you have to take the ad. Uh, but it's, you know, that's when you, when you start talking those terms to podcasters, and then if we can maintain, let's say we can maintain 15 to $20 CPMs on that type of programmatic that that works dollar wise for most podcasters, but you, you still, in order to make the programmatic model work, the podcaster's got to be able to say, yes, I trust you, Todd, to put something in my show that, that matches. And in the instant I put something in their show that doesn't, that podcaster's going to pull the plug, you know, because they're. Yeah, or they'll just be pissed off and not yeah. trust that relationship anymore. Yeah. 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 Now, that same article I was referring to, the, the, the adexchanger.com article, mm -hmm. also talks about. Um, well, it's like a Q and A article. They they ask questions of Brian Moffat and and I think it's the president and CEO of um, um, uh, National Public Media. So I guess it's uh, Brian Moffat's boss. I yep. guess. Um, and down down here says the the question is: Do you see a future for podcasting on large streaming audio platforms like Pandora and Spotify? It's kind of a silly question because they're kind of already there. But what does that mean for smaller publishers' networks in the podcasting space? And the answer from Brian was, uh, we're, prob we're probably where video on demand was five to six years ago. And there are options, uh, but no clear winners. Now, it, it, everybody has several apps, but uh, you can find the same content on multiple apps and they all serve different niches. I don't know about any of that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, on-demand on audio will end up there in four to five years. Right now, it's all Apple. I suspect there will be five to six major players, and I would love it if NPR was one of them. Um, interesting. I, I'm not really entirely getting what he's saying, um, that there's going to be, well, there's an underlying tone there that Apple's going to be somehow displaced in this medium. I <laughs> don't know how that's going to happen. Um, and that some clear winner is going to come out like Pandora or Spotify and magically transform uh, podcasting because they're a large streaming platform, which also is a, is kind of a dig at podcasting just generally. Um, they, hate, somehow, they hate the download. Yeah, it's it's totally you can see this underlying thread of Apple is bad for podcasting. There needs to be new players in the space. In 5 to 6 years, it's going to balance out where Apple's not going to dominate the podcasting space anymore and and that there's new players coming and it, it it's likely going to be Pandora and Spotify is going to come rushing to the industry's rescue. And I I don't exactly know how that's I guess that's about scale, right? Um, they see that Pandora and Spotify are are have strong penetration because of music, but 
podcasting is not music. You know, we're not going to ride on that, that wave. It's not going to, I don't think that podcasting, well, I could be wrong. Will ever be quite as big as music. Um, Last I time I pod- checked, aren't those companies burning money faster than they can bring it in? Yeah. I mean, I would say <laughs> that the, the greater likelihood is that there's going to be a churn with Pandora and Spotify to new companies. Um, then it would be that Apple's going to somehow lose its its hold on the podcasting space. You know, I mean, yeah. who's who's got deeper pockets? Yeah. <laughs> who's got a war chest of billions of dollars? Yeah. yeah, it's certainly not Pandora and Spotify. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Programmatic, you know, I, you know, I, I basically think that we're. You know, my plan in my head is six months from now, we programmatic. Uh, I'm going to start looking real close at it, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not looking at it right now too deeply. So yeah. six six months is my is my plan. All right, I want to talk just a little bit, and this is a touchy topic. So first and foremost, um, I want to say before I talk about this is that SoundCloud had every right in their business model to remove and cancel a show that was on their uh, platform. Um, essentially what happened was, the, in my understanding, and I, I, I've never listened to any of this content, nor would I never listen to any of this particular content. It was a neo-Nazi, white supremacist type of show, and that's... I'm just paraphrasing what I read on the news uh, or on the web. Uh, I have, again, I have no direct knowledge of the content or what this guy kind of content he's producing. But anyway, there was um, a sector of people that were very pissed off that the SoundCloud removed this and a sector of people that were very happy that the show got taken down. So I, I look at things from a, a little bit, different perspective and so long as a and and if this show was spewing hate if it was um invoking violence or promoting violence um which i understand from what i've been told by several people it was um you know i having spent 25 years in the military i I have pretty strong in in living here in the united states and being a podcaster i have pretty strong feelings about uh, freedom of press, freedom of speech. Um, you know, they're, you know, obviously you can't just say anything you want without, you know, being sued, but, you know, uh, speech has consequences and this individual speech had consequences. But we as content creators um, need to make sure that we do our very best to protect the medium and that there's, and again, just, this is a general statement. This is not anything to do with that show. Please, please, please. Cause people are going to get freaked out and they're going to start misunderstand. Right. right so yeah. don't miss it. I'm, I'm just, this is a topic point because this show got removed. So let's just use this show as an example. If a group of people got pissed off about Rob and I, and went to our providers and started demanding that the content be taken down because someone did not like the content, 
we have a real issue. And, we, and there's, there's, there should be concern. And I don't know if there's concern yet. This is a one-off. This is a, and maybe this guy's content was invoking violence and, and saying more than opinion. But there's a lot of shows out there that are full left, full right, down the middle, very controversial. They'll stay stuff uh, in a comedic way. The, you, it runs the gambit, and it doesn't matter the type. Sooner or later, you're going to get pissed off about what somebody says. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be the case. And, and, and I probably do a pretty good job of doing that on this show from time to time that people don't necessarily come back and comment on us because I just tell it the way it is. But as content creators, and in general, again, nothing to do with this this dude that got his show killed. We have to be very, very careful that if someone's stating an opinion, however crazy it may be, that's the beauty of this space. Now, if they're invoking violence, if they're uh, promoting racism, or if they're um, doing hate they're speech, breaking the law, if they're breaking the law, yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's different. And mm-hmm. and if someone came to me and as a as a company order and says, "Todd, look at this show. Oh my God!" and someone was spewing hate and spewing racism and spewing uh, genocide or whatever. I would be the first one to take that show down as well. Uh, but if I, there's a fine line between opinion yeah. and is someone spewing hate speech. So, you know, I'm, there's, I'm, I'm going to set a pretty high bar um, from, from my company. I'm going to set a pretty high bar. If someone's got an opinion and it's radical and it just makes me angry, as long as it's an opinion <laughs> and commentary and is not invoking violence or not being racism or doing hate speech, um, I'm not taking that content down. So, Rob, have you gotten into any of this where you've had a, someone request a show to be taken down and you went through it and it was gray? Where you're like, mm, have you been in that situation yet? Yeah, there's been a, there's been, I mean, on all the different platforms that I've worked on, there's been different times when I've had to um, get involved in takedowns um, or kind of cautioning a content creator about things. Uh, because there, there are typical terms of service that, that exist sure. on, on all of our platforms. Um, that even goes back to when I worked on Zoom and, and, you know, there is a content philosophy that exists across a company like Microsoft or even Apple, um, has a certain kind of, um, limit. I mean, I know some platforms have a higher limit of, you know, even, even in the early days of this, this medium, I mean, even platform platforms like, um, what clear channel had, uh, or, you know, I, I remember getting into these conversations um, many, many times with these big media companies. They would send you a list of uh, words that could not be used in a in an audio program. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've seen those lists before, Todd. Um, but 
there has been always kind of an underlying, you know, sense that I've had that there, you know, especially the bigger media companies that are sensitive and their public companies or whatever, um, the, the, there's a little bit of censorship that goes on that's kind of under the the, the radar um, and sensitivity to even kind of um, explicit content. So it's not always been, uh, it, it's always been a very uncomfortable process that I've had to get into. I've even had to deal with a situation where um, ISIS or Al Qaeda has created content um, and s- tried to, to promote their recruitment of of um, of fighters in you know in North America. You right. know, th- those kind of situations happen, and mm-hmm. you have to, as a content guy and as a platform manager kind of guy, you have to um, to manage those type of situations and. I, you know, I was working at Microsoft, I'd spend a lot of time in the, the Microsoft attorney's office, <laughs> you know, lawyers, <laughs> they're trying to, trying to figure out what we're going to do, you know, and what the right thing to do. Cause we don't want to get in a situation where we could potentially be sued by somebody because mm-hmm. we wrong, wrongfully claim them as doing something that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is a very sensitive area and, and people are put in very difficult positions. And like you said, Todd, there are consequences for playing in this area. Uh, but also the other side of this too is that there typically is audience opportunity uh, in playing in the extreme ends of this spectrum. Uh, there, you know, We're a very divided world now. Um, the, the conservatives and the liberals or whatever, they're, they're going to their corners, right? And that tends to spark content that you know, can inflame half of the population. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a difficult line. Uh, and Todd, I've walked it and I know you have too, cause you've been running a platform for a while. And you know, I, fortunately I, I haven't, we ha- it haven't had too many instances. I've never had yeah. to cancel anybody. And I'm sure now that, you know, now that this is going on, well, and like porn too. I mean, right. that's come up too, you know, or, or, or hate speech yep. or all that kind of yep. stuff, which, which walks over that line. Right. Um, and, and how do you get them down and how do you get them to change? Do you just cancel their account? Do you try and work with them to try and, you know, it gets into all these gray areas mm-hmm. of, of processes. Yeah. So, you know, I was, um, and it kind of, it related to me something personal. My 13 year old, we, I scolded him for something. There was something going on when we were in Japan. And and I, I was, you know, it was a dad in his butt. You know, I was in his face. <laughs> and uh, he said something to the effect that, Dad, you're triggering me. And I was just, I was just like, I had to, had to take a breath. <laughs> and I, yeah. we had this conversation about the word trigger is not allowed to be used in this house. <laughs> Uh, no one will be triggered. You will deal with your emotions and 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 control yourself and have a discussion and and not run to the corner and and, and say I'm I need a safe space. We we had a discussion about that in detail. Uh, I'm not I'm not raising a, a a wimp. So I basically when when I saw I heard about this, my initial thing and again I had no idea what the show was about because I just saw someone bragging that they'd gotten a show removed from SoundCloud and it set off alarm bells for me and, you know on the instant that I heard it because I'm like what and then of course found out 
a little more details. And I, well, yeah, sound, I'd probably do the same thing. Um, so I think as content creators, though, if we can't be tolerant of opinions, uh, no, no one can. We're doomed. So, um, you know, as a content creator out there, uh, you know, and, and there is activism going in now. I, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the last show, but I had a podcaster, um, contact me. His, uh, advertisers have been, were targeted by a group of people. And this is happening in mainstream media too, um, where, uh, primarily right now, conservative talk hosts were being targeted their advertisers were being targeted uh, one in the past week. Um, non-successful attempt to get the person removed from the air. But this is happening in the podcast space too, where someone doesn't like someone's content. So they uh, organize a group of people to go after the advertiser to try to get the advertiser off the show in order to you know, provide an, uh, a financial impact. So yeah. in, in that combined with what I heard, um, I, I just think that we as content creators, there's a way to be an activist. The way you be an activist is you talk about it in your show. You know, you, if you have an issue with someone's content and what they're saying, use your microphone here and this bully pulpit we have to take it to them. <laughs> You know, and express your opinion. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn. But be- there's probably a a good way of doing that and a bad way of doing that. You know, I think um, we've gotten so extreme in our mm-hmm. our, our our views, and, and I, I'm kind of looking at the big picture. I'm I was extremely hopeful in the early days of the dot com, you know, boom when the the whole internet started that. Um, the technology world and and you know the world that we live in, Todd, with this medium, uh, would would um, expand democracy, bring people together, create better connections between people, and 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 I think uh, it does though, and and eliminate divide, right? Mm-hmm. But but in some ways, I think now it's being manipulated um, to drive division because there's agendas behind creating division. Right. There's there's benefits to driving division between people. Uh, it's just another way of segregating people into groups and then being able to, to, to manipulate them to, to do something or to donate money or to get involved to elect. I mean, it's about power and money. And, and, and I think, it, you know, the whole politics thing, I think is a microcosm of, of how the internet has been turned into this kind of this tool to manipulate people. Um, and I think it's, it's unfortunate that it's happening now that this is a little bit off the topic of podcasting, but um, and, it's just, it's just been disappointing to see it happen. And, and I think Daniel in the chat room summed it up a little bit. He said, hate speech is being poorly interpreted by millennials. If I say, I think something's wrong, people overact and call it hate. And he says, yeah. sigh. So this is the point I'm getting at. Yep. This is exactly the point I'm getting at. Now, if someone is, is spewing hate, I'll remove their show in a, just a New York minute. It, it, it's gone. Okay. But Todd, let's, let's, let's define, well, what is hate? I mean, why is that bad? 
I mean, what is hate in the context of what you're talking about? Well, is you, it just you, giving your your opinion well, in I, a strong uh, way, or is it going after and attacking someone? I, yeah, I think it's it's again, Rob. There's a fine line there. You, I, I don't I know. know if I can define it. You have to listen to it. I know exactly, and that's my point. Is that, that that's why I spent so much time in the lawyer's office? Right. <laughs> how do you? How do you? I mean, one person's hate is another yeah, person's opinion. opinion. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I I will can say I will abs I absolutely attest anything that would be uh, in this show that was removed neo Nazi stuff, but if the individual is just talking about being a Nazi and not is spewing, and of course that most Nazi stuff comes with being spewing hate and white supremacy. If someone's talking about you know, again, but if you're if you're saying we should go out and you know and and slaughter people, that's that's invoking violence. <laughs> or someone but, talk, but yeah, but the truth <laughs> is, is white people that have an opinion about white supremacy, there's nothing illegal about that, and that's I not know. hate. I know. What's, what's hate about it is when <clears throat> those white supremacists start talking about how they're going to to hurt another person, right? Because right. of their their opinions, it's okay yeah. for them to think that white people are better. I mean, I think all the races think that their races are better. You know, yeah. so you know, it's it's really <laughs> not as bad as it seems, right? But it's it, just what people do with those extreme opinions against others is where the problem comes. And and so you know, and again, so here I was as a parent scolding my son for something that he did that was wrong. Yeah. And he, he was getting a lecture from me. I wasn't touching him. And he, he responded, I'm being triggered. I almost reached out and touched him at that point. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. so uh, it's part of the problem of people not having Okay, tolerance isn't the right word. Uh, you don't have to. I I don't know. Maybe the audience can help me out here. But you know, again, it's an opinion. Um, so again, there's a fine line. So it's it's a case by case thing. But I think as content creators, we you know I I I spent 25 years in the military for the right for the freedom of speech and the freedom of press. I may hate, I may hate what some people in the press say. I may hate what some podcasters say, but I will defend their right to the end to say it. Yeah. You know, yeah. because as soon as we, you know, we're already seeing this in some universities where they're, they won't allow people to come in and speak. And, you know, so, and it's usually conservatives that aren't being allowed to come in. We, we have to protect that freedom of speech that we have and you know it doesn't come without consequences again if i say something on this show well, that disparages someone uh, they're i'm going to get a you know summons uh with a you know i'm going to get some guy arriving at the door saying are you todd Gochran? yes you've been yeah. served <laughs> well i think a really great example of the the dynamic on this happened just this last week um i think with the kathy griffin situation with the trump um head bloody head I think that is a, that really encapsulates this issue that we're talking about here is um, 
does Kathy Griffin have have a right to to uh, to express herself like that yes. in a creative way? Yes, she, she did. Does. <laughs> but it but doesn't come without consequences, it, it, and it definitely comes <laughs> with consequences. And and she made a made a a a pretty extreme statement, um, and that's that comes with consequences. That comes from or that causes a visit from the Secret Service and. And it causes her to lose some jobs that she has. And, nothing, uh, and nothing to stop her from doing that again. She could do it and again. She has if a she right wants. to do it again. I don't think she's going to do it again. <laughs> right. Um, but but that that is a classic example. I mean, she has yeah. a right to do that, and she's not going to get put in jail for doing no, it. No, no. <laughs> she may get sued for doing it. Right, right. But that that would be a civil suit, not a not a criminal suit. Right. So. And that's that's where our our society lives right now. There's other um, countries in the world that would probably <laughs> lock her up for that. Right? Lock her up? You'd never see her again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you that's know. the difference in our society, and that's, that's right. the kind of freedom that you as a podcaster yeah. has to express yourself. You can't go to the Middle East. There's going to be consequences you, you, for that. She could not go to the Middle East and do what she did. No. <laughs> Can you imagine her in, in Saudi Arabia having the head of the crown prince? Uh, yeah, that wouldn't work too uh, well. It wouldn't work well. She would be, you know, they they do executions there. <laughs> it's called it's called role reversal. That's what it would be. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, indeed, yes, it would. You know, so uh, you know, and and I think is, and in many of you listen to this show that are outside of the United States, and you guys have many of the same exact freedoms that we do. Some of yeah. you live live in countries where you do not. Um, so. You know, we, we just have to continue to protect that as, as much as we may hate <laughs> the content or not agree with it. Dislike. How dislike. Much dislike. Yeah. Maybe you dislike. Yeah. Oh, there's some content out there I hate, you know, so. <laughs> Be careful. That, that word hate is a loaded term. Yeah. Right? I might yeah. trigger somebody here. <laughs> so anyway, that was, uh, you know, and again, I'm not that. SoundCloud was all in their right to do what they do. And if it had been my platform and they came to me and if I listened to the content and I it had the same, I would probably do the same thing. So it's just, you know, again, we're just talking about generalities here. But what worries me, it, see, this is the reason for this discussion. Someone's going to go, ah, oh, let's do a campaign to get Tommy's show removed. Or Susie's show, or I don't agree. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, we have to we have to protect uh, the ability for us to do this. We can say every every dirty word we want in the FCC don't say list. We can um, just we have almost no constraints uh, in the podcasting space, and you know, you can, obviously there's consequences for stuff where you have no constraints. But you're free to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I I just had to <laughs> had to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean I, that that topic was perfectly timed for what happened this last week, and oh really? Being able to well, <laughs> yeah, to really be able to show people what we're talking about here, I think it's it's definitely a, yeah. A hot button thing, and, and I'll I'll say it again. I I think taking an extreme position and and doing like 
something not exactly, but something similar to what Kathy Griffin did can actually drive a lot of attention, a lot, lot of viewers. She's probably, I mean, if she would do her comedy stick right now, she might have a lot of people show up, right? Um, well, there's a segment of the population definitely supports her, probably wishes yeah, she would do exactly. it some more. <laughs> so in some ways there's a payoff for this in the long run. She, yeah, she's going to pay a pay. She's going to pay a price in the short run here. Yeah. No question. Yeah. But maybe in the long run, she may be viewed as, you know, you know, I don't know. And it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get rid of that content. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, by the way, Hey Rob, hello. How are you? Uh, in the chat room, Derek, Daniel, uh, all you guys, thanks for, for being on. Definitely say hi in the chat. So there's an article of Stitcher saying, will people pay for ad-free average podcasting? Hmm. So Scripps, of course, I had to just do this, Rob, because you're you're watching the show. The Scripps-owned podcast aggregation app Stitcher induced a soft rollout of a $4.99 month premium service last year. It includes ad-free access to hot shows like Mark Merwin's WTF, Comedy Bang Bang, as well as access to complete archives of certain shows, bonus episodes, and original programming available only to premium subscribers. Would you pay five bucks for ad-free content, Rob? I wouldn't personally, no. Me neither. But, but, but there may be some folks that are fans of those shows that might be willing to. Yeah. You know, it just depends. I don't know that uh, mid-roll puts a heavy load of ads in their podcasts anyway. So I think they're, they're probably maxed at three host reads, two to three host reads, uh, per, per episode probably. So I wouldn't say it's a heavy load. So I'm not sure that there's a huge value prop here. Yeah. If you, and if anyone out there wants to have ad free advertising on this show from Rob and I, we'll, we'll take a PayPal donation of $5 (laughs) per month. That's right. (laughs) Considering there aren't any ads in here. Oh, 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 shh, shh, shh. Don't say that. <laughs> so uh, I, I I wish them luck on this. The premium thing is just it's hard. Eh. It's hard. Well, it's hard, and it only works for really really big shows. Yeah, it's that hard. have big big uh, big followings. Well, you know, uh, in the comedy yeah. Bang Bang and WTF, they have big audiences. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Mark and you know Mark's got a pretty good size show. Yeah, and you, you um, think. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I would think so to some degree. I, yeah. Though I've, I've gotten the impression it's, it, the, the, there are, there are many shows like, um, Joe Rogan that are bigger these days. So there are some massive shows that are out there that people don't even realize. I mean, there's yeah. some, there's some big ones. I, I, you know, I was looking through stats recently. I was like, what? You know, and I just like, who is this show? You know, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it is surprising. There are some sleepers out there. Hey, um, Apple hosting recording studio for podcasters at WWDC 2017. So you're going to be able to go in or sign up and get on the schedule to, yeah, uh, to record a session. Be a fully, what a fully outfitted studio Yeah, to, yeah. to record right at WWDC. Each, uh, it says each 60 minute session can accommodate up to four contributors and there's going to be Apple experts on hand to help you get your your uh, podcast up and running. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like a great deal. I wonder if if they're providing any other support. That sounds like just to record and yeah. help and help you publish. I guess post production. Um, 
I think they're just well? I, I think they're just providing a studio. I think it's just put, go, place yeah. to go in and plug in. They can, you know, poor people can come in and do a show. So it's cool. Nice to yes. see that they're doing that. It's probably a smart move from a PR perspective, mm-hmm. I would think. It is? Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. There's a lot of news this week. You, you can tell that the PR people were getting uh, pushed for advertising articles because there just was a lot in the past week on, on advertising. And, um, you know, and I, I think here's the, the thing, too, about these all these articles on advertising is that you know, the majority of regular podcasters still aren't getting ads so or ad deals. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's only, you know, the only people that are really being affected by this in most part is like the top 10% of shows yeah. that are out there. Yeah. Did you see the other article that was uh, out there too from Media Daily News or, or Media Post talking oh. about podcasts offer competition for $33 billion U.S. streaming audio market? Yeah, that was the CFO did, did of ACAST. Did you know that the U.S. streaming audio market was a $33 billion I think, market? I think it's, I actually think that is, that number's, believe it or not, I think that number's low. Really? <laughs> That's wow. what I, well, I, I was told by someone else that number's low. But thirty-three billion is pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea it was that big. Yeah, honestly, honestly, yeah. I knew that the the broadcast radio advertising market was about uh, was about fourteen to fifteen million or right. billion. Uh, I didn't realize that the audio streaming market was quite that big. Yeah, this comes from the chief financial officer of Acast. Uh, he's, he's oh Carl. Yeah, he's the one that uh, uh, that that wrote this. Uh, okay. So you know, any and this is folks when you're when you're reading these articles, make sure you always read who the art, who the editor, or who the submitter is, and or the the author of it. Yeah. yeah, then you can get the perspective of you know of whether or not there's an, some sort of an agenda here. But, well, I think. Um, the clear agenda here is trying to um, piece together streaming with podcasting. It's it, it, it Again, gets back to that. yeah, yeah, same old, same old. It's just that reoccurring theme that people. It's an online to... radio thing. I I just think that there's a lot of folks on that side that would like podcasting to be more an online streaming market for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, like you say, Todd, it's the it's the it's the continued assault on the download. Yep, I hate the download. There was a little yeah. bit of news last week, though, Rob. That um, it's got uh, you know we, we're digging around looking a little bit at this, but uh, when Google announced it was bringing podcasts to Google Play Music app, we all thought this was going to be a a big deal. But you know they never come out with a custom app. But a recent teardown of the Android application package for the beta version of Google App 7.3 uncovered code within the app that appears to provide a one-click style subscription to users of the app. <laughs> uh, oh, so but, So, by the way, you've been able to do that. There is one-click subscribe to 14 different uh, podcast apps currently available today at subscribeonandroid.com. Oh, That's true. <laughs> But I guess you'll be able to one-click subscribe into Google Play, which is, is cool, too. Because their subscription, yeah. in order to subscribe to their uh, a podcast in Google Play, it's an absolute nightmare. 
Yeah. So we'll see what happens here with this update. Yeah, if if uh, podcasts wind up over in uh, in YouTube, right? Yeah, Rob, I know that you want a signature edition, the Todd Cochran signature edition of the Podcaster Pro. I know, I know, in deep in your heart, you want to have a new podcast recording device uh, sitting on your desk that has my signature on it. No, no, I would rather have a, a Todd Todd Cochran bobblehead, actually. <laughs> so you get smacked yeah, out of it. That, yeah, do you know I got, got one of those, uh, I think I have it somewhere, uh, of Leo Laporte. Oh, really? Leo Laporte has a bobblehead. That he sells? If you knew that or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some podcasters who would probably like to have a bobblehead of me that they could, they probably 10 of them, they can, they, so that like, they can smash them. <laughs> Or bong, bong, bong. But anyway, the uh, Podcaster Pro is Adam Curry's project on Indiegogo. And uh, he's making good progress. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried that, you know, to hit the to hit the mark, they've got to move a lot of these. So uh, they're at $66,000 of their $500,000 goal. And so what's the big... Uh big kind of angle with this 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 device well you know and adam is um he does a you know this long three hour two hour and 40 minute no agenda show twice a week with Dvorak, and they, they do skype and he sure. takes he does a lot of sound effects and a whole bunch of stuff but okay. he's really been looking for a, a small package that you can take with you um, that will do, it's just like me, I'm getting ready to, to go to, uh, you know, to the East coast. We're going to do a show next week. I got to figure out how, and I, you know, I think I've got it figured out how we're going to do Skype you in and be able to record. And so this basically is a, uh, all included package that includes a cough switch, a dual headphone jack and EQ, uh, DSP for EQ for Skype, DSP EQ for the mics. There's a noise, a separate noise gate for Skype, separate noise gate for the room. Um, there's a digital mix minus. Uh, there's an analog master out, digital master out, digital stereo Skype in. Um, it includes two analog 40. So basically, it's to be able to do. It's a. It's really for a two man show, uh, where one person's coming in via Skype and. They've, uh, Does it support video too? Does no, video no, it's only audio. audio. But um, you know, it's it's a little pricey, but it, you know they they're custom building this thing from the ground up, and 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 I followed Adam and what he's been trying to do for many many years, and he's concocted all kinds of crazy setups to try to get this specific type of sound, and. Uh, I I hope that this thing comes. I, I want one of these really bad. Um, I, I hope that they're able to um, to make the goal. I I really am. But you know, it, it's it the price is not inexpensive. The Adam Curry Signature Edition is six forty seven. Uh, you can get an Early Bird Podcaster Pro for for four ninety seven, and uh, 
there's basically a, a number of signature editions. They, you know, basically they were smart. They worked with a number of folks like me, and we're going to be promoting the campaign. Um, you've got uh, an edition from uh, John Lee Dumas. Uh, he sold zero so far. We've got a podcast movement signature edition, uh, which they've sold three. My edition has sold six. The Dan Benjamin edition has sold zero. Uh, the Mike Cohen has sold zero. The Brian Bushwood has sold two. Um, Adam Curry's has sold five. And then there's uh, some hand-built ones. But so far... Um, They've got about 160 people, 167 backers. So for $66,000 raised, trying to get to 500K. So, Todd, does this this device actually record? No, no, it does not. It is so just, it's just an audio. It's, it's basically a, it's an audio interface. It's an audio to interface. To a laptop? Yeah, to a laptop, yeah. Or a computer. Uh, well, yeah. I hate to say, but the speaker studio for desktop, it sounds like it does all that stuff. <laughs> well, it's it, the key is the, it's the portability it's of it. Well, yeah. okay. This, this does the, this is a hardware based. A lot of this, I, I'm, I'm a hardware guy. I like hardware solutions. I don't like yeah. software, uh, ESPs or, or EQs, uh, uh, hardware solutions to me are always, the, the end goal is with this system is, and you record your show and, and you basically you've got a product. You know, you don't have to do any post processing, editing and all this stuff. So it, it's unique and again, it, oh, you know, okay. some of the stuff you can do all in software, but yeah. um I I am a I'm a I'm a big fan of hardware because hardware typically Knobs, doesn't fail. Right? Yeah. And it's Knobs small. And adjustments and this thing is gonna be about like <clears throat> now. Yeah, I, they don't haven't said the dimensions, but it looks to me like by six by four by two, and um, so I'll give them credit. They're trying to make this happen. Uh, I I hope they reach the goal. Uh, it's a pretty high it's a pretty high bar, but um, okay. There's information on the Indiegogo page about it. Yeah, so you uh, think he's Rick's saying to it's solve in, the whole whole portability issue or well, what problem a, is he trying to solve it would be like uh could be portability it could be people that just want a solution that they you know it's it's small it's it, it replaces stuff that's in a rack mm. um it's a okay. rack in a box essentially okay. and, and and rick actually termed it that in the chat room so rick thanks on that so you uh, plug uh microphones directly into it you do you do okay Rick said it'd be more comfortable with a three hundred fifty to four hundred dollar price price point. I, I agree, Rick. That's you know that's where I would hope it it would have come in too. It's a um, volume shoe, probably. Yeah, and that's what it is too. You know, it's it's not because we're dealing. You know, they're dealing with high end. You know, digital processing components. Um, you know, there's been a few people that have made comments that they're they think the noise floor is a little bit too high on it, but it's uh, you know, if you've heard, if you've listened to the to the video, um, or you know, basically I listen to audio stuff. It sounds really good, but um, time will tell. And if you want to get a signature edition with my name on it, <laughs> pretty nice, Todd. Uh, I mean, that's that, that's actually better than a bobblehead. That is absolutely. But bobblehead would be cool too. It would be. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, maybe we we should get bobbleheads and then send them. You and I both get a bobblehead and put a, like have a, a blackboard that says new media show, and then we mail one to every podcast hosting company that we talk about. We send, we can send, and then they can have them on their desk, and their their CEOs and and stuff can can use those as you know stress relief when they listen to the podcast. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Bonk us on the head each time we talk bad about them. But how uh, Karen says, how portable is it? You still have to bring two mics and stands. I I, I travel already with the uh, a Zoom H6n with a headset, and you know I still I already travel with a headset. But you know, yeah, I I travel with two ATR twenty one hundreds. Yeah, <clears throat> they're stashed in my bag. So you know, I I. I I have a little kit, and it's it's you know about that big. Uh, I don't ever, re- you know, I. That's how I've done it for years. As a matter of fact, I used to travel with this monstrosity of a kit and do video too. Oh, I know. I, re- I remember that box you put together. Insane. What was yeah. I thinking? <laughs> a long, long time ago, you did that. Yeah, it would like fall apart because the yeah, air. The baggage handlers were so yeah, rough on it. Yeah, bang it around and the lid would be off and knobs would be busted and that was stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. No more. Yeah. But if anything else, the way I look at this too is it's the Podfather. We would not be here without Adam Curry. Let's be honest. The podcasting space would not be in existence. It wouldn't be... I, I don't know if this thing would have ever, there'd have been people creating audio online, but I don't think I'd have ever gotten the go. So for me, you know, it's, to me, it's kind of like a, a thank you payback to him. If, yeah, it's, if it sits sure. on the shelf, I don't, you know, I'll use it when I travel, but you know, I think this would be good for like boardrooms and for small studios, people that are recording you know, companies, that type of stuff. I think this thing is perfect, especially doing the Skype thing for non-technical yeah. people. Um, so does it support up to, what, just two XLRs? Two XLRs, yeah. Two XLRs, two XLRs. And, the, and the Skype and the Skype inputs. So I guess you can do three, three people. Uh, okay. yeah. yeah, two XLR mic inputs, one stereo Skype voice IP <clears throat> USB input, and one stereo computer soundboard usb input oh so okay. you can actually do a soundboard input to it too so that's oh you could yeah so there's really four inputs uh, so you could probably plug in a what like a mixer to it or something uh, you wouldn't want to do a mixer but you know a lot of people have those audio soundboards where they do sound effects that type of stuff oh yeah yeah okay. it's probably so, a usb device or something yeah it is usb so but anyway, that is uh, in any in, in two cough switches. I, n- none of the stuff out there has cough switches. Cough switches. Yeah, five that minutes. is a nice feature to have. Actually, I had that issue just a minute ago on the show here. I had to mute my audio from Skype. I had a little cough. My little so, new media icon yeah. was on the move there. I don't know what's going on here. It's drifting. So anyway, um, that's it on the Indiegogo. So, you know, go over there and your podcaster and you want something cool and you get it in an adam curry signature edition you know we've got the funds to be a good way to honor the pod father yeah okay um bada bing bada boom here 
looking at um oh there I think did we talk about yeah we already talked about that talk about the air folks talking at podcast movement and you know Rob it's already June dude <laughs> podcast movement ordered huh yes you yes you should podcast movement's right around the corner well, it's still 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 what two two three months away it's it, uh, last I checked it was in August right so end of August. yeah end and of August. so two and two and you know two thirds. <laughs> But uh, if you're not going to Bad Yes Movement, you guys need to go. If those of you are listening, this this is the event of the year to go to. No, so definitely. We you know we yeah. want to we want to see you there. Yeah. Hey Todd, I've been doing a lot of um, um, getting on other people's program, doing some interviews, um, talking about Spreaker and in my background lately. Yeah. And I've I've noticed that there's a lot of podcasters using these automated. Um, guest scheduling systems i don't know you probably have spent some time looking at those things too because you i mean you also do a lot of other people's podcasts as well just like i do but i don't fill out any forms if someone approaches to me to be interviewed then i just do it via email yeah i've had quite a few shows that i've done over the last uh three weeks or Mm -hmm. so i think i've been on Mm -hmm. like maybe a 15 or 20 shows. Did, they, like did they make you fill out a form or something? Well, it was like the scheduling software. Right. Um, that they, I guess you can customize them to ask for, let's say your bio, a f- picture, that, that, that kind of stuff. And then pick a day and a time. Well, call me a prima donna. They want to do an interview. They do it my time at my discretion and they collect my bio. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a dick. <laughs> so it's, it's actually pretty fast to go in and fill out their, their form and pick a time. I don't really care. And, right. and so, but I thought it was interesting that, that more and more, um, podcasters, are using these tools. I don't think we've ever talked about these scheduling tools before that people use to coordinate their schedules with their interviews. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of shows out there that do their shows are all interviews, right? They, they, that's what they do every week or they schedule them, their guests through these uh, platforms. And, and I don't, I, I could probably pull one up, but, uh, and there's two or three of them people are using, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting though. It does allow you to, you know, as a podcaster to create, you know, and I think it's not necessarily bad because it, it allows you to kind of schedule yourself to do things at certain times yep. and it uh, has automated reminder systems. It will drop it into the, the guest's calendar. Um, it helps organize that can be a complex process. I spent a lot of years booking people into mm-hmm. shows and there's a lot of back and forth emails that happen with every guest. And, um, and it can be a confusing process and you have to ask them to send a picture or send them, well, you know, any kind of information that you need to be able to do the interview. And this kind of automates that process. I thought it was I- interesting. Yeah. The, um, one thing that I, uh, my, I know Mike Dell uses that for scheduling support calls. He uses a yeah. meet me or something like that service. Um, I have to go look here. Yeah, and it basically, when someone books, then it blocks out the time automatically. He doesn't have to worry yep. about it. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I my situation, you know, and, and I'm sure that 
I drive uh, podcasters crazy, but uh, my one and only hour that I do interviews is at 11 o'clock uh, Hawaiian Standard Time on, or basically, you know, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Saturdays. That's the only time I do interviews. And um, mm-hmm. so they have to bend to my schedule. And I, but it's it was nice of you to uh, to schedule yourself, Rob. That's probably why you were on 15 and I'm only on like one or two a month. <laughs> oh, well, <clears throat> well, Spreaker did hire, uh, that the interview connect folks, uh, Jessica Rhodes. Oh, okay. To help with that. But as it's turned out, I'm, I'm personally booking half of the, the interviews that I'm doing now and they're booking the other half. Interesting. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm pulling in it <clears throat> my own. So There's is this a, is this in response okay. to your uh, your big uh, your big award here, or is this something that? Uh, no, actually, that actually was in the. It's kind of part of part of part of the marketing plan oh, okay. for for Spreaker. Yeah. So it was just getting on Smart. another podcast. Yeah, talking about speaking. And yeah, well, and talking about more stuff than that, but but yeah, th- there's always that undertone of you know, get, getting the word out about Spreaker too. Yeah. Um. But it's, yeah, so I, I mean, you and I have both been doing this stuff for years. I mean, yep. getting in other people's podcasts, talking about podcasting because we're, but it really had nothing to do with the, the induction into the hall of fame or right, anything like right, that. Right. It just happens to be a bonus that people tap into that a little bit. But the, one of the ones that I've used uh, here recently, if you're curious about maybe trying to use one of these platforms is um, Cal, Calendy. Uh, C A L E N D L Y dot com. Mm-hmm. Calendy is one. Yeah, Mike uses Schedule once. He's in the chat room. He said that's what he uses. Does he? Okay. Hey, Calendy looks like a pretty good platform. You're, you're going to laugh, Rob. It just, just popped up my email. Come from Tom Webster. Note the bit about RAD in this interview with NPR client. This is the last domino folks. Once Apple gets on board and I believe they will measurement will longer be talked about as a challenge and the doors will be open for more revenue options, brain advertising, programmatic, et cetera, for more podcasts. And he's talking about the ad exchanger. Really? <laughs> article. Oh, okay. Did he send that to you? No, it just, or? I just got his notification. He put it in, in the podcast movement, uh, Oh, area on, on, on Facebook. Facebook. Gotcha. So, okay. I just, I thought it was comical. We talked about it and then someone comes in behind or, or Tom Webster comes in behind and was promoting it. Yeah. I got it, got invited to uh, moderate a panel at a, at a radio conference here in the last week or so. And it looks like I'm going to go to it. It's in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. It's called the conclave. Uh huh. If you've heard of it I think or I've not, I've heard of that. Have you? Yeah, I I think it's a pretty big deal. It sounds like you got it in a nice conference there. Yeah, I mean it's it, it it's not a huge conference. It's only a, it's only a few hundred people, but uh, I guess Seth the wrestler is going to be there oh. on my panel. Okay. And we're just going to talk about podcasting. To it's basically a conference for small market uh, radio people. Oh. Our small to medium-sized market radio folks is who the target audience is for it. It's at theconclave.com. Uh-huh. So if people want to check it out, uh, it's going on in um, 
it's kind of a radio focused event and the panel session is podcasting. Everybody's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I didn't come up with the title of that. So, um, I think it of it as a pretty blank slate. I can do anything I want. Right. <laughs> well, it was nice of Seth to invite you. Who else is going to be on it? Well, no, it was actually the organizer of the event. Uh-huh. Seth is just going to be one of my panelists. Oh, okay. So, and then a, and then a a a podcast network person is going to join me as well. I can't remember his name right now. All right. Awesome. Oh, oh, it's um, um, M NPR, a person from NPR. Oh, uh, was it uh, was that Minneapolis Public Radio? Yeah, yeah, Minnesota Public Radio. Sorry, but, you know, I, I, I want to go back just a little bit, and you know, as I'm sitting here, my the wheels are spinning in my head. Um, about this NPR stuff. Yeah, you know, the NPR. We have to be careful about NPR setting the agenda for the podcasting community. Um, they, they have, they, they don't necessarily operate how most podcasters operate. You know, they are not at all, not at all, you know, and, and we have to be, you know, we have to remind ourselves that, yeah, their, their content's cool, but they have huge teams that, uh, that put their content together. Yeah. You really can't compare yourself to NPR. You can't, it's going to be really difficult to try and copy what they do. And when they're supposedly leading the pack and setting the agenda, I think as podcasters, we need to, you know, maybe that, maybe what they're doing is good, but we need to uh, keep an eye on them to ensure that uh, the rest of the space continues to be protected and that we're not, here's my worry. Okay. They're going to introduce this, you know, this uh, programmatic stuff. Well, if they start taking programmatic and they take it at a lower CPM, the rest of the space is screwed because media buyers are going to be like, well, I get NPR for six. How come I can't get you for six? And NPR has the volume to, you know, I, I, I have concerns. I really do. And I need to go through and read this article in detail now. Yeah, I think Todd, that the big message with this is that this this kind of programmatic thing is like a loaded gun. I mean, I mean, you give it to somebody, it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key thing that 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 you and I both feel is that um, there is a way that this thing can be done for good. Um, is it going to be done for good? Um, is the question. Um, it can be set up where it can it can add value and it can make the buying process easier, um, but it can also enable buying of host reads. It can enable buying of, of more traditional advertising methodologies as well that can have higher CPMs. It doesn't have to drive CPMs down, but if it's done in a way that, that does drive it down, that's the problem. So p- people yeah. got to be careful what they wish for here because um – I'm reading the part that Tom is referencing. He says, we're working on a technology called remote audio data that can measure if someone actually listened to a podcast. Today, when you send an MP3 file, all you know is someone started and completed downloading. We're embedding a URL into the file before we send it where players can send us listening events. 
did people get to the 25%, the 50%, the sponsorship, the playback platform sends that back to us without PII, personal identifying information. Publishers baking in ads themselves can encode the information in the file. Publishers doing dynamic ad search can use their ad server to insert the data. So is he implying that he's going to create an MP3 that's going to report home? Yes. Is that is that what he's implying? But he's got to have the he has to have the. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Triton and AdWiz are already are ready to support it, and our our team is evaluating once we put the bow on it. Well, they haven't fucking announced this to anyone else in the community. So they're saying, okay, Triton and AdWiz did have they do have we seen a spec on this? Says, no, um, send, but, I, but listen to send a, a Rocky uh, a note on this. It says Triton Edwards already sported. R19 is evaluating it once we put the bow on it, hopefully within the next month or two. Apple's talking to us, but it would be a big gap if they didn't participate. That's about 60% of our listening. Why would Apple have to participate if this thing? Well, they want them to participate so they get the call home to mama data. I know. Well, where's that data coming from it'll come from apple okay but it has the pii yeah, I, information removed but i thought that they were going to embed some sort of a url in the yeah MP3 yeah metadata. We're, we're embedding so, a url into the file before we send it so they're hoping that the platform will will enable that to to happen it won't just happen based on an mp3 oh, file the, pla- the platform and the playback is happening on has to support it Okay, so it, so the platform will look for that URL in the metadata, and and they're hoping that that platform will report will back. Enable that will enable capability. it in all the players, in all of the the applications, client software that plays podcasts. Yeah. Good luck with that. You know that, right? Well, if good. Apple's talking to them. I mean, it, I mean, if Apple would support it, which I doubt they will, um, Apple, Apple supporting it would give us sixty percent of that data. Right. But here's okay. But I, so now get the, the other forty. Uh, they'll have to have the other players. They hope for they'll hope for wide adoption. So here's here's the thing. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's true. You may not want to see the data. You may not want to see the data. Yeah, yeah. And careful what you wish for. Blissful ignorance may be a good good thing in this. Careful what yeah. you wish for. It's playing right into the hands of the advertisers. Why, yes, it is. And they will demand it. And you won't get paid unless that signal comes back. If Rick says, what about the invasion of the listener's personal privacy? They say that this does not send PII back. Does not report personal identifying information. This is just an anonymous report home mm-hmm. of a file being played or not. That's right. And at what point it was played? And did it get to the ad? Is it a signal back saying the ad was played after it was downloaded? So I... W- I wonder if they would have multiple or our reporting time codes that they would put in there. They would have like beginning a show. I'm sure. It's at, 
and the the reporting time code at the point of uh, host read or injection. Uh huh. And those those would be triggers that would come back and put a mark in a, in some database somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you know, here you go. Okay, so NPR's pushing this forward, but have they announced this to the rest of the space? Nope. It's just another example of them pushing out their own spec, right? Their oh. own ad, ad, ad metric spec. They're running ahead doing stuff on their yeah. own. Yeah, and the, and the next question then is, okay, so how much retooling is that going to take to support this across every platform, every app? Every, you see that every app that uh, people use would have to support this call home to mama. Well, it's also it's also going to involve the encoders. It's going to sure. involve um, the creation of those media files mm-hmm. too, because you not everybody puts uh, ID three tags in their MP three files. Nope. And you know we, we've for a long time have uh, been pushing a meta, uh, you know, metadata um, with meta marks that never got yeah. traction. So you know you can propose something, but implementation is a whole different. And if Apple doesn't, if Apple doesn't support it it's doa so go nowhere and it and there's no guarantee that if apple supports it it's gonna be successful either honestly there's been other things that apple's done that haven't been successful in this space too do you think apple do you think apple will signal back i i it's if they're not sending any the big issue that apple's always had is they will not allow me to know that you listened specifically you rob so how are they going to are they just gonna say yep that was listened to yep that that ad got played is that what they i don't know todd they might be willing to enable that they might be willing to enable that they might that that might be something that is really intriguing to them Uh uh-huh if it's anonymous information and it's just reporting um, spot or host read insertion points, mm-hmm. that might be something that they might be interested in supporting. So Apple is talking to us, but it would be a big gap if they didn't participate. I think the bigger challenge is all, all the other players in the space. That's true, too. You know, and all of the creation software that would create MP3 files. But I think it's, uh, well, you know what will be real interesting is if the gap between what we say we have already and the, and the information that this provides back, if that there's no delta there, <laughs> it would be awesome to see that, uh, that come to fruition. Yeah, and if those numbers come back and they're really, really... Or if they're, um, or if they're really low, good. if they're not, not good, not 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 good, and <laughs> that 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 backfires on NPR. Especially when the advertiser says, "Oh, by the way, here's my rad URL. You have to put this in your, you know, you have to put this in your in your MP3." <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. 
those that are listening to this, uh, put your thinking caps on that one and think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go, go look at your own consumption of the, of the podcasting MP3 files and Wait, so do a little he, hard look. Here's what we know. <clears throat> ROI on podcast advertising generally runs a lot higher than anything else. Okay. Yeah. Advertisers have been willing to pay the CPMs that they are because we've been able to deliver a fantastic ROI. So yeah. this, could, this could work two ways, Rob. So let's say you, on a, a normal reporting system like ours or yours, that uh, a show has 10,000 downloads. And uh, they're building $20 CPM, and they, you know, they get a check written for 200 bucks. So let's all of a sudden then implement RAD, and only 7,500 of those, there's only 7,500 RAD impressions. Well, it could work to our advantage in a different way, Rob. It could show that podcasting is even better ROI because of the 7,500 people that responded. You're initially going to only make 150 but because they see the ROI on those 7,500 is so high, it may be offset by higher CPMs. If you're performing, if you're performing, the, the reasonable thing to think would be is the advertiser would say, holy crap, I got uh, 3% response from 7,500 people. Holy cow, this is like, uh, you, know, you know, God's gift to advertising. Um, we're now going to up your CPM rate to 25 based upon the ROI on 7,500 versus 10,000. It would could they ever offer to give you more money. Uh, or, well, that would be uh, the, you as a podcaster would have to demand that, that based on the results. Right. And at the same time, um, another thing that way to look at this too, is that, then, when it comes to uh, awareness campaigns that are not uh, performance based, like Ford or you know a big national brand, advertiser, brand, brand advertisers, it may open the door for brand advertisers because they may feel comfortable saying, "Yes, we're guaranteed. We got a listen. Yes, we'll pay you on that." So that could, you know, being devil's advocate here, that could play to our advantage in bringing brand advertisers in. So. We'll it's see. a double standard with the brand advertisers, though, when you really think about it. I mean, how much money they've been spending on broadcast radio based on ratings. Right. But but yet when they look at buying advertising on podcasts, they're all concerned about the actual numbers. Yeah, it's it's a double standard. And it has and been. They're gonna are they gonna pay more for that grand granularity or are they gonna pay less? I you know. Uh, this is a slippery slope. Yeah, um, you could go either way. Yeah, this is a slippery slope. That's why I've been worried about brand brand advertisers for a long time. Is that they don't bring a lot of value to your your show from a standpoint of content because they typically want to control the message. Yeah, at no, a granular no, level. No host endorsement. You're going to run their spot. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a challenge bringing brand advertisers. And I know that there's players in the space that claim that, oh, we've got twice as many brand advertisers and that's the key to the future of podcasting is bringing in brand advertisers. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, 
I don't know. You know, I, I think the jury's still out on that. Rob, are you still watching? What do you think of rad? I don't know. Huh? So, oh, so here's the next thing. Let me read a little bit. About half a dozen publishers using AdWiz ad server contribute excess inventory to a Podway. What is Podway? That's the that's the programmatic platform um, done oh, through AdWiz. Okay. So this is a separate. Uh, is this a separate discussion, or does Podway have Rad implemented? He says about a half dozen. Uh, I, I think don't know. This, he says about half a dozen publishers using AdWiz ad servers contribute excess inventory to Podwave. It's programmatic in the sense that it aggregates inventory from different publishers at NPM. Can NPM can sell in channels like arts and technology, but it's not fully programmatic, and that buyers can just hook in and buy directly. We can do demographic, gender, or age targeting across the network, and behavioral targeting among a smaller subset that's just getting interesting. So here's the here's the thing about this goes back to Rick. They're going to do the targeting on the delivery. You're going to be targeted when the ad is sent to, when the when the media file is sent to you whether you listen or not is where rad is going to report back but the targeting is going to happen regardless you can't stop the targeting happening in programmatic because they yeah. when that ip touches when your ip touches them they're going to go oh there's rick he likes to uh take hikes in the woods he likes he's uh, likes to go camping he smokes uh, and i don't say you you do uh he, uh, you know, has a cocktail once in a while, uh, you, you, all that stuff. And it's going to go, let's give him boom, 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 and boom. And they're going to give you a, a media file, deliver a media file to you with those targeted ads in it, programmatically delivered. And then when you listen, it's going to report back that someone listened. But here's the trick, Rob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you can have multiple rads. And you, let's say you only sent that particular ad to a thousand people, and eight hundred of them uh, reported back via rad. That they're going to know, they're going to do that correlation and say this group of a thousand was really good on response. So, in a sense, they're still going to kind of have an idea, you know, depending on how targeted a campaign is. Uh, on whether or not that target. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> it was the, it was the creeping icon. Yeah, was, <laughs> that stupid thing. Oh, what's going on it here? Like, it was gonna be like covering my face and yeah. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I must Sorry, have. A, if you're listening to this, you don't really see what's happening. Yeah, the, the joystick. The is, new media icon was uh, was drifting. on the move. <laughs> Stupid thing. It's still drifting. All right, there, there's a solution for that. Oh, what's going on here? It's got a it's it's got a mind of its own. Yeah, the stick has got something going on. Alright, I think I got it stopped. But anyway, that uh Whoa, where the hell did it go? It it okay. So yeah, it's so this is Apple's going to have to be convinced. If they're not, they're not going to they're not going to play. Yeah. But it is an interesting idea. I know many years ago the, the, there's been talk about 
making a version of the MP3 um, standard uh, or file that would um, automatically re uh, report home. It would have its own little script built into it <clears throat> that would actually report home. Yeah. And it wouldn't wouldn't have to engage with the platform. Yeah. That it was delivered on. Um, that technology was never deployed. It was actually a R and D project for Microsoft um, many many years ago. Yeah. And they they abandoned it. <clears throat> so it sounds like this is a little bit of a spinoff off of that concept of trying trying to attach some reporting to the MP3 file since. That's the that's the issue that everybody identifies is mm -hmm. that once it's been downloaded, it goes into a black hole and disappears because there's did, no tracking. But didn't NPR just say recently the MP3 is dead? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, there is a better audio codec out there. You know, it's oh yeah, uh, well AAC, you, right? Yeah, if you want to pay for the licensing fee for that, sure. Um, and, Fraunhofer owns that too. Right? Oh yeah, that's why the MP3 was going to be dead. It's going to be killed because we can't make no money off the MP3. So anyway, we're we're already here at the end of the show, Rob. But um, hmm, interesting article. Oh. Oh well, it's an interesting direction, I have to say. And I think public comment on the IAB measurement document is going to be um, coming out soon. Oh. Yeah. The, the round two of that document. So I'm um, looking forward for everyone reading it and providing their their input. So what, in a couple of weeks or yeah, a week? I think soon. I don't have the soon. timeline, but it's soon. I would, I, I would <clears throat> think a couple of weeks. So is it more of a technical specification or uh, is yeah it? yeah yeah there is okay so um okay boy i tell you that yeah never mind anyway i'm okay. looking forward to the people's comments have to be careful well i can't say anything i'm just i'm looking forward to reading people's comments about the document yeah okay so we'll go from there everyone thanks for being here thanks for watching the show how can i get a hold of you rob um, send me an email, rob at spreaker.com or rob at robgreenlee.com, uh, works. I have a website, robgreenlee.com. I also do another podcast called the Spreaker live show at spreakerliveshow.com. So I, I do that every Wednesday. And of course you can reach me at, uh, Todd at blueberry.com or follow me on Twitter at geek news. You can watch yep. my other show, geek news central at geeknewscentral.com. Of course the, uh, the new show that Mike Dell and I are doing called Your Podcast. You can find your podcast over at powerpresspodcast.com along with our our other show. That's two shows that we do over there for uh, for Blueberry. But uh, anyway, everyone, thanks for being here. And uh, some of you, I'm looking forward to hearing your emails to me uh, because I know we're going to get some reaction to the If they listened all the way to the end of the show, we're going to get some emails. So I'd love to hear from you on your thoughts on rad and whether you think it's a rad idea or not and as a podcaster do you oh. think yeah that's a nice the <laughs> twist on words right yeah, and for for podcasters we want to hear if you think it's rad that we'll be reporting back on our listeners so uh anyway that's it everyone thanks for being here we'll see you well we won't be live on the next show uh, but we do we're, we're gonna see if we can get one knocked out
But anyway, everyone, thanks. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on the new media show. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.